welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It's finally Friday, June 23rd, and today is National Pecan Sandies Day. That's right for all you cookie lovers out there. It's also International Women in Engineering Day because we know there's very few of those, as well as International Widows Day. Wonder why they put that next to each other, but whatnot. It's also National Hydration Day for all you thirsty ones out there. Make sure you hydrate. Along with National Take Your Dog to Work Day. Gretchen, I hope you have your dogs with you today. It's also National Detroit Style Pizza Day. I didn't even know that was a thing. And National Pink Day for all of you pink haired individuals. As well as United Nations Public Service Day, which means absolutely nothing is happening because the UN doesn't do much of anything. But nonetheless, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top hand right-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces now. And if you are joining us in Twitter spaces, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But kick it off we have the dope dad himself that's right it's rico Lamite, the quasimodo caretaker the happy cabbage indulger and of course america's favorite flip-flopper that's right it is the dope dad himself it is rico Lamite. thank you thank you thank you thank you jason for the first story today um i'm gonna take us out to new york <laughs> New York Governor Kathy Hochul has been uh, on the hot seat for quite a while now over the Empire State's legal cannabis industry and their uh, beleaguered rollout. After six months with just 12 retail licenses awarded, Governor Hochul decided it was high time her team fought back against illicit operators who've all but taken over New York's legalization efforts with more pop-up shops. Uh, more pop-up shop eighths now available than dollar slices. The governor took to the airwaves yesterday to declare early victory in her trap crackdown initiative, claiming over the last two weeks, New York state officials have seized a thousand pounds of unlicensed cannabis meant for illegal distribution through more than two dozen businesses. A hall Hochul says holds a value of $11 million. Yes, $11 million or about $11,000 per pound. Told y'all New York was expensive. Per the article, Governor Hochul touted the efforts to address a burgeoning illegal marketplace of cannabis sales in the state of New York moved 
to grant licenses to legal retailers. The illegal marketplace has been a hindrance to the growth of aspiring legal operators, which are taxed and licensed by the state. Sometimes it takes a while to get it right, Hochul said proudly Thursday morning to reporters at an event in Brooklyn. Yet another excellent photo op. The process has not been easy. She, she then cited public health risks posed by unlicensed cannabis sales and the importance of legal cannabis in New York being subject to industry regulations grown by licensed farmers. I want to be aggressive. I want to get this done. I want to send a message loud and clear across the state. If you are operating illegally, you will be caught. <laughs> Due to a May agreement between New York lawmakers and Hochul, um, and Hochul, a package of measures have been launched in the state to address illicit cannabis sales in Albany, Binghampton, and Ithaca. Regulators now have the power to assess civil penalties on businesses with fines of up to $20,000 a day and levy tax fraud charges on businesses failing to collect or remit required cannabis taxes. State officials can also shutter businesses refusing to comply, a strategy meant to pressure landlords whose properties host the businesses. Chris Alexander, the Office of Cannabis Management's executive director, said in support of Hochul's Herculean effort, this is a different moment and this is a different day. This is a different approach. New York trappers beware. Governor Kathy Hochul is now officially the Elliot Ness of cannabis. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street. <laughs> Love to hear from the rest of you guys on this one. Oh yeah, and we have a special guest today joining us, direct uh, out the streets of New York. What do you got to say to us, Scott? Are um, you afraid? So I was at the. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for inviting me on. So I was at the uh, press conference yesterday, and the mayor is definitely taking a more aggressive stance on trying to crack down on this, these illicit operations. I tell you, I spent the last uh, 24 hours searching for a location. We were lucky enough to get awarded an application in the, in the last process. And when I thought, if we thought that LA had a bunch of illegal shops in its heyday, LA is nothing in comparison. I wa we walked three blocks uh, in four different cities. And in each city, we didn't see less than eight or nine. Um, and I tell you, the, the uh, products they have on their shelf looks better than most shops in California. Plus, they have all the brands. It's, it's crazy down here right now. But she did commit to adding another $5 million um, to fight. Uh, they're talking about uh, asset forfeiture and breaking the, uh, uh, the corporate veil and going after people individually. Um, so we'll see what happens. Are you guys, you guys must be just salivating over those $11,000 uh, pounds that they got out there, man. You guys are going to make bank. I, it, I, I can't wait. Uh, it's, that's the craziest number I've seen, but uh, I'm not surprised. $11 million. I mean, yeah, that, that, that is a crazy valuation on on a pound, pound a of flour. pounds. Especially for, for it being all the stuff that, that wouldn't sell in California. Well, yeah, and especially okay. considering the weed is is uh, yeah exactly and and the big problem they have here which they didn't address is the the two years of backlog of cannabis that cultivators aren't able to sell so the, that's another thing that's going to hurt the uh, legal market between taxation and then the crappy weed they're going to have on the shelves because it's a year and two years old um, yeah we we it's we, uh, 
We, It'd be a challenge. We actually have yeah. some pictures of, of, of some of this weed and how it's stored. So just to show all the general public um, how terrible all this product is on the shelves in New York. And when I say terrible uh, product on the shelves, I'm referring to the legal shops because they are forced to buy this stuff. And just wait till you see how this product yeah. is stored. Oh, my God. It's going to show up right behind me. Adam's having a technical something but it, it, it's going to show up there in a second omar omar what do, do you think that the governor really has the power to to pierce the corporate veil and go after these people as individuals well you know may perhaps there is no corporate um protection from liability when it comes to criminal liability otherwise the mob would just create crime inc and let it be the fall guy for all the crimes and so there is limited protection from criminal liability in the corporate form but with regard to civil liability I, you know they would have to show that they're disregarding the corporate form entirely um really i, I think the bigger issue is that whack-a-mole is starting to happen in new york the same as it's been happening in california for years I'm going to be covering a story about like a huge grow in Brentwood in the East Bay. Um, and it's, you know, I think we're going to be seeing the same thing across the nation until we have federal descheduled or bust, federal mm -hmm. descheduling and state legalization. Not a single state has legalized cannabis. All of these half-ass quasi-legalization measures keep all these crimes on the books. And that's what, and keep all this like, you know, burdensome regulation and the, the two, two systems, which is the regulated system and the illicit market. And of course, unburdened by taxes and onerous regulations, the illicit market will beat the pants off the uh, regulated market because of less enforcement. There's not enough cops out there with the fentanyl crisis to go after cannabis. So, so technically... Kathy Hochul is she's more like Jay Edgar Hoover and uh Ruben McDaniel is at Elliot Ness then. Oh boy. And the uh, <laughs> the untouchables are coming for you. <laughs> Eleven thousand dollar pounds, baby. One of the shops we went into yesterday, they had the you if you think of the top twenty brands in California, they were all on the shelf. They were at a higher price, they charge no tax, they take credit cards. Um, you just add all that in. It's gonna. It's a recipe for disaster for the legal market, and in, in, uh, and then you take the fact that the legal market is going to be selling two-year-old weed. That I'll be very surprised if currently pass their yeah. tests. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's going to be a, a difficult uh, couple of years in New York for sure. Yeah, look at this. Scott, did you look did you see fresh did you see fresh glass house on the shelves? I, I, I don't I don't know that Glasshouse makes fresh, but I did see I did see oh. the flower on the on the on the shelves. Yes, I did see some Glasshouse flower. Did you did you did, did you ask them how did you get this here? I'm sorry. Did you ask them how did you get this here? Of course we did, and they said it all comes from California. No, that's the whole thing is nobody hides it. It's not only the dispensaries. Every single corner liquor store has jars full of weed. Mm -hmm. Every, every, I mean, it, it, every third shop is selling weed in uh, uh, in uh, in New York. It's uh, not just illegal cannabis shops. Every liquor store, bodega, you name it, they're selling weed. Those are those are literally like black, weed. Those are like literally like prohibition era crates. Yeah, bro, hold on, and then you have you have it all tied up in a green bag. You know what I'm saying? They're not even in turkey bags. And it's just it's just sitting like this in warehouses. And this is all of that that old 
product that was all from last year's harvest that all of the New York farmers are complaining that they can't sell because they haven't opened up enough shops in time. And not to mention, these farmers are still anticipating getting like $4,000 a pound for this old product. Yeah, I would feel bad. I I feel bad for anybody that's open now because they're just not going to be able to compete. Uh, We went in one of the shops. It's the funniest thing in the world. We had to buy Pokemon cards and then they gift you with free cannabis based on which Pokemon card you buy. So uh, I guarantee guarantee you that shop was owned by the Paul brothers. Well, hold on. That's 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 how Gretchen. That's how Gretchen has to buy weed in D.C. Gretchen, isn't that right? You you buy a T-shirt or something and then you get some weed. Oh, you're on mute. There we go. Yes, that is how the I-71 shops work. But D.C., unlike New York, has said to all of these shops, you guys want to go legal, here's your chance. You have the year to do the paperwork. Uh, so D.C. is trying to make all these shops uh, medical dispensaries. Well, D.C. is not about... Uh, they just must not be about that. I mean, I mean, but DC. Also, we can't be about that money. We we got to deal with Congress, so we but, can't have an adult use market. But DC, they is, won't allow us. But DC yeah, is de- by by default a adult use market because they allow anyone to be able to self certify. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I'm just saying on paper right. we are a medical market. I think. D- what do you want from me? I think I think DC stands for default cannabis. You know, just I think DC <laughs> is doing whatever they can to. Follow the will of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, 71% of voters in 2014 voted for adult use in Washington. 71%. How many people and in Congress Washington? Congress has said no. How many people in Washington want to be a state? Uh, well, no, I don't think it matters that much. None of them. No one yeah. cares about D.C. being a state, Rico. Get Selective over the whole state thing. The yeah, state get, thing's get, not happening. Yeah, Johnny, yeah. Well, you have better chance of fentanyl being made uh, legal than D.C. becoming a state. <laughs> Damn. I mean, get your I'm lollipops. Get your lollipops, everybody. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Rico. The Republicans are scared of more Democrats. That's why. Oh, boy. Here we go. We're not even going to well, get into this one. The Republicans are smarter than Democrats, so we understand how the math works. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. None of them get anything done while the people suffer. Mm-hmm. Rico, let's roll into uh, the next story. Let's that. roll into the next story because we have another story coming to you live from New York. Let's do it. She is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and the Hyatt Nine News team's very own Washington insider. When she's not dressing her dogs up in questionable outfits, she's putting together delicious treats down in the basement, waiting for pizza parties. Coming up next is Gretchen Gilly. Well, today I am working on making a chocolate cake for my softball team, the Tequila Mockingbirds, which they will be partaking of. Uh, later this evening. What kind of what kind of chocolate cake is this? Is it like a German chocolate cake, or is it a, you know like? No, a, it's just straight up old fashioned, delicious devil. chocolate cake. It's not the a moistest chocolate cake. cake you've ever had in your life, Rico. Is Duncan Hines or Betty uh, Crocker more moist? Oh, please, I oh, I, I don't know that booth. All I do is from scratch. Why how would many, I use a box? How, how many how many how many towelettes on a on a five towelette scale? What what is the moisture? What kind of moisture we're looking at? Moisture content. It's it's delish. It's don't you worry. It's the moistest. What you got it's for us? The moistest you got. All right. Anyway, Moist. my headline is coming from good old Albany, uh, but it's taking another look at the industry, and uh, not that uh, it's a whole other perspective. Anti-cannabis groups sue to overturn New York's marijuana laws. Uh, this is coming from the Albany Times Union. A coalition of anti-cannabis interests filed a lawsuit in state supreme court this week 
seeking to overturn New York's legalization of marijuana, comparing the industry to tobacco companies that made fraudulent claims about their products. The petition was filed in Albany by the Cannabis Impact Prevention Coalition and a group called Cannabis Industry Victims Seeking Justice, as well as eight individuals associated with those groups, including a former Delaware County a stop DWI coordinator and a father who claims to be worried about his son's marijuana consumption. What the tobacco companies have done, the marijuana companies are doing now. It's only a matter of time before there are RICO laws, lawsuits against marijuana stores and growing operations in New York. The lawsuit asserts that marijuana consumption, sale and possession remains illegal under federal law and that the state legislature usurped Congress when it passed the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act in 2021 legalizing marijuana for adults and setting up a framework to roll out a retail industry that includes growers, processors, and licensed dispensaries. The group site information they contend shows that marijuana consumption is harmful and that claims about uh, medicinal benefits are unfounded and dangerous. False advertising may mislead vulnerable patients and the public. The complaint states medical use may inadvertently result in addiction, increased risk of psychosis, mental are psychosocial impairment, lung damage when smoked, and complications for unborn children when used during pregnancy. The presence of medical marijuana dispensaries may increase access to recreational marijuana for minors. Marijuana remains a Schedule One controlled substance under federal law, a list that includes bells, heroin, ecstasy, and acid. The FDA also promulgates rules that note marijuana has a high potential for abuse and that it is used as a dietary supplement has not been approved. Many of the products being sold in both retail and medical marijuana outlets in New York and other states are edibles that contain THC and CBD. The lawsuit also cites information it says indicates the claims about the medical benefits of THC and CBD have not been subjected to studies that satisfy the FDA standards for determining safety and effectiveness. The lawsuit also points to what it claimed were recent remarks from the FDA commissioner that were gleaned from a statement by former Commissioner Scott Gottlieb when the Agricultural Improvement Act of 2018 was signed into law legalizing hemp and removing it from the Controlled Substance Act. Cannabis and cannabis-derived products claiming in their marketing and promotional materials that they're intended for use in the diagnosis, cure, mitigation, treatment, or prevention of diseases are considered new drugs or new animal drugs and must go through the FDA drug approval process for human or animal use before they are marketed in the U.S., uh, Gottlieb said five years ago. Selling unapproved products with unsubstantiated therapeutic claims is not only a violation of the law, but also can put patients at risk, and these products have not been proven to be safe or effective. Officials with the State Office of Cannabis Management did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the lawsuit. Uh, I'm no attorney, so I'm not even going to begin to wager what this actually means. I think the the genie's out of the bottle, frankly, but Omar, you tell me. I, th I mean, could they really actually try and get a state to roll this back? Uh, in my knowledge, this is the first time a group has tried to bring this kind of lawsuit in the industry, uh, saying that the state was not allowed to push for legalization. Um, I think this is a Supreme Court issue, but because uh, I don't see how they make the case. I don't know. I think states' rights comes into effect at some point. California when we try to legalize when we did quasi legalize cannabis and uh the prohibitionists did somebody were, sue? Huh? Did did a group actually sue the state? 
Um, well, they were threatening to sue the state, but I, I, I think that it, the issue did get litigated and the courts ended up saying that there is no positive conflict between federal law and state law. For there to be a positive conflict, the state law has to command what the federal law forbids. And the state law does not command it, or at least that's what, that's what the courts think. It just allows it. And so there's no positive conflict and therefore there's no supremacy clause violation. But generally, you know, these groups tend to say there's a, um, the state law violates federal law. But as you wisely point out, we live in a federalist system where the states are laboratories of democracy and they have their independent states' rights. And traditionally, the police power um, was a state's right. So the, the police, the states ultimately get to decide what their laws are, and I think this type of litigation is going to go nowhere. I, I I I have a question. The state, uh, the state in the last story, Rico, they said that they closed down twelve stores, right? Twenty four. Twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. No, hold on, hold on. More than twenty four. Okay. More more than twenty four. <laughs> All right. So so then so then it's safe to assume that if this lawsuit is successful. New York could close down all their legal stores within 24 hours because they've obviously have done more than that already when it comes to illegal stores. All right. They only have about 12 stores open in the state, right? Dude. Allegedly. Uh-huh. Just, just yeah, if, if the lawsuit is successful, it's going to be a great boon to the illicit market. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> You know, just like the crackdown makes the illicit market prices go up, uh, so would this. Mm -hmm. So it's really going to backfire ultimately. Oh man! Well, how how do you know? How do you know that 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 the trap market isn't actually behind this lawsuit, Omar? <laughs> ah, <laughs> it is in their best interest. It Follow is the in money. Their best interest. Yes. It is in their best interest. Hundred percent. I mean, I know this sounds terrible, but part of me would love to see this actually work and see this work its chain up the Supreme Court or something like actually. Have people have to really debate this issue? I would too. I don't I would know. To watch it's it. not like New York's working anyway. Why not? Exactly. Why not? Why not test it all? Hey. You just want to see some entertainment. You just want to have some entertainment here. So, I, I need something better than Donald Trump and Hunter Biden. Hold, hold I mean, on. Hold on. on. Hold on. Hold on, Rico. I I feel like you should be totally supportive of this because you're always talking about break down the system and and start it over again. And this is basically what that lawsuit would be doing with the whole New York program. Hey. I kind of like I kind of like a little chaos, man. Uh -huh. Chaos is a ladder. Chaos breeds opportunity. That's for sure. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Scott, Scott, what do you think about this? Do you think that that if this law happened, do you think the state would try to double down and try to keep their twelve stores open, or would they just say, "Hey, you know what, guys, let's let's close down. You guys have put all this money into these businesses, and uh, the trap is just going to thrive." I agree that it'll wind up in this, at the Supreme Court. There's no way that these states, especially New York, are going to reverse the course they've already taken. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they see the potential loss in revenue. I'm sure that uh, the governor and her, uh, her uh, guys are adding up the dollar amounts that are being lost to these illegal dispensaries. So I, I believe, I agree that it's just going to wind up in the Supreme Court. But all the dollars State really versus being, federal rights. All the dollars really being lost if people still aren't going to support the legal stores and they're just going to find other trap market other trap markets to to put their money into. Well, it's exactly what's going on in California. I mean, the truth is they've got to figure a way to balance and and get these legal shops under control. 
they need to they need to de help deregulate some of the industry um, and help. I mean, one of the things that they are trying to do here is they're going to get they're going to allow cultivators to distribute directly to the consumer uh, to kind of cut out that distribution side, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be important for the long term success. Because as you know, in California, that fee can run twenty to thirty percent distribution yeah. costs. That's a big su- substantial savings, and every dollar that's added on from seed to sale. That's an additional cost for the consumer, which is why people are going to legal operations to begin with. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So they're going to cut out the distributors altogether. So people, when they order weed, they're going to get it directly from the cultivator. New, New York, New York is allowing for the farmers market style things. We've covered oh, okay. that story. Yeah. A yes. No, but in California, they're allowing that. They're getting rid of distributors, well, right? California, California kind of allows for it. They allow for there to be X number of events that allow for the outdoor craft farmers to be able to do direct to consumer no more than four per year. California's, big, free, California's free market has gotten rid of distributors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the big difference between the two is in California, you can have full, uh, fully integrated facilities so cultivators can deliver their products themselves. Um, in New York, that's not allowed. So you can't have a distribution and or a cultivation and or a retail license at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what they're trying to do now is just allow the cultivator to distribute straight to the retail store, which will help uh, obviously save costs. They've got to do something to get it under control because at the at the rate they're going, it's going to be 100 bucks for an eighth in New York and these illegal shops and bodegas and everywhere are going to continue to sell at the prices they are. Um, it's going to kill them more. It'll be dead before it, before California has died. I love according to Kathy, oh, Kathy oh Hochul's uh, um, according to Kathy Hochul's office numbers, it's going to be about a thousand to eighth. I lo- I love selling yeah. hundred dollar eighth personally. I think it's fantastic. I always feel better when I sell a hundred dollar eighth in a day. <laughs> uh, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, diamonds, mm-hmm. diamonds, diamonds are forever. <laughs> Liz Taylor told you the best. <laughs> All right, next. Oh, we're ready. We're ready to go. All right. All right. Let's keep yeah. it going. We're going to keep well, it going. When, you're, when Jason Beck starts quoting Elizabeth Taylor, it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. It's time to move on. Gretchen, the luck of the draw today, you get to introduce what? Jason Beck. Well, you want to give him an intro? <laughs> Thanks for the invite, guys. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on. We appreciate Scott, it. Thank All you right. for joining us, man, in front of your brownstone. And anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Do I really get to intro Jason? Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, well, thanks for the heads up. I would have thought of something better than just faking it now. It's, it's better um, on the All right. It's always better on the He's fly. everybody's favorite high Republican, at so he claims, mm-hmm. pretends that he doesn't sell boof weed, and Donald Trump's uh, and Ron DeSantis' love child, uh, Jason Beck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love that. I, man, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take yeah, that you got to run for office, man. Yeah. Go win a Republican primary with easily, that endorsement. Easily. I know. Yeah, easily. I love you. That's, that's a, oh, man. I'm excited right now. Oh, boy. But I'll tell you what. Who's not excited is the people in my story because you'll never, you're going to love this one, Omar, because Ianthus gets hit with a Rico. That's right. A Maryland-based cannabis dispensary, LMS Wellness Benefit, LLC, has accused Ianthus Capital Holdings Incorporated, CSE, uh, yeah, yeah, of a scheme to divert at least $4.5 million from its funds into Ianthus 
other business interests, according to a lawsuit filed in federal court this week. In the civil RICO suit, LMS claims that a management firm it had hired, uh, S8 Management LLC, which shares several executives and directors with Ianthus, made unauthorized money transfers from LMS's account to the the, the falling or failing subsidiaries of Ianthus, Law 360 reported. Ianthus, in a quote, <coughs> Ianthus stole from LMS because it is desperate for cash. LMS alleged in a lawsuit, it points out that Ianthus has experienced a dramatic drop in its stock value over recent years, and Toronto-based company has publicly expressed doubt about its ability to remain operational. The complaint alleges that Ianthus was has funneled much of LMS's money into three of its Maryland companies, Green Mart of Maryland LLC, Budding Rose Incorporated, and Rosebud Organics Incorporated, all struggling entities that Ianthus has purchased to secure state cannabis permits. The lawsuit accuses Ianthus of attempting to conceal these actions by creating a false impression of independentness from LMS to Ianthus, according to a corporate disclosures issued in March. Ianthus reported a net loss of $449 million in 2022. The suit also alleges that Ianthus subsidiaries can, cannot cover a $55 million tax debt the corporation is shouldering and uh, $1.25 billion in debt overall. The lawsuit alleges that Ianthus' financial woes stem from its aggressive strategy of acquiring cannabis dispensaries in Maryland to corner the market. <clears throat> only to be left in financial disarray due to prior management and ill-advised advisements in these dispensaries. The contract LMS claims uh, to have been generating decent profits during this time, and the suit claims Ianthus unlawfully benefited at the cost of LMSs and is pursuing threefold damages under the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. The complaint alleges that S8 authorized the transfer of LMS money to Ianthus uh, three struggling companies between February 2019 and August of 2022, during which time Randy Moslow served as interim CEO of Ianthus and presented <coughs> and president of S8 after Ianthus former chief executive Hadley Ford resigned amid shareholder concerns about the undisclosed a personal loan from Green Gotham. The suit alleges that Ianthus used S8 to send LMS funds to the Maryland companies and then had S8 create counterfeit documents indicating that LMS was in debt to Ianthus, Baltimore-based subsidiary CGX Life Sciences Incorporated. The case states, in fact, LMS does not owe Ianthus any S8 any money on that note and just the opposite. Excuse me. Not only has any debt that LMS owed to Ianthus and S8 been fully repaid, but all but through August 22, in light of all this money it has stolen, Ianthus owes LMS more than four million dollars. They're claiming the lawsuit suggests that Ianthus had had S8 falsely claimed that LMS was not profitable to create a scenario where CGX could purchase LMS, thereby helping Ianthus to cover its tracks. Well, I'm glad we have a lawyer in the room today because that was a whole fucking little fishtail all around. Right. Follow the money. Rico's favorite thing. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do you think about this Rico case, Rico and Omar? 
I was trying to figure out the pretzel logic of like, you know, uh, loaning yourself money and all these secured notes and everything the way they did it. Uh, it seemed pretty ingenious and I think it's all going to be aired out in court. I wish they would break it down more because all of these corporate shenanigans are how many uh, hardworking operators get bamboozled out of their investments by like these investors. And so I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned and I want to learn more about these corporate scams. Uh, not only to identify them and protect my clients from the corporate scams, but just, you know, from uh, an, a geek perspective, I want to learn how the scams work. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to spot them. You want to be Omar, able to spot them? question yeah. for you. I mean, yeah. so I'm trying to understand this, right? So these companies were purchased by Ianthus or Ianthus bought into them somehow. Is that the yeah, story? And then they say they took all their money. I mean, isn't the devil in the details? Is it possible that you know ianthus was allowed to do what they did it's possible if they were smart they were like operating right at the edge and you know it would have been uh ambiguous enough that they would have some sort of defense to this shareholder lawsuit uh, so i think it's all going to get aired out i'm sure they're going to hire some competent lawyers who will come up with a thousand and one excuses and ultimately claim that th these are all risky investment decisions the investors were warned they took the risk and now they're crying wah wah because they lost their money but really they're adults and you know th that's the way business is done and so i think there's going to be a lot of litigation and you know who wins in all this litigation the, the only lawyers, one who wins the lawyers the lawyers, the lawyers win yep, yep. That's why you want to. That's learn why about Omar wants to know so much more about this. Exactly. Well, is yeah, I've yeah, always yeah. had a fascination with scams. You know, like I always wanted to figure out how scammers scam people because it's so fascinating to see like how they kind of hack the human psyche in order to scam people. And a lot of scams, all scams, are up based on trust getting people to trust you you know watching the ultimate scammer operate i mean donald j trump i it's well well, well bernie madoff is the ultimate scammer or the guy the the other guy seaman bankman freud i would call, claim the ultimate scammer omar they did make more money than trump he does lose to them he is a loser you're right <laughs> don't forget about joe biden and hunter biden because all that documents are out too now uh, small potatoes, Hunter okay. Biden. He's I not bet. a real scammer. Okay. All right. All right, Mr. Burisma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a jab at Burisma. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I, should, I should be on their board. Yes. Omar, would you expect to see more of these types of cases popping up? Oh, yeah. Like all the scams are eventually going to come to light when they blow up in the investor's face. And then the investors are like, what? The investors with money mm -hmm. are going to be the ones who pursue this litigation. You know, a lot of the investors are going to lose their shirts and they don't have any money to uh, pursue a legal recourse. So they're left without redress. A lot of these. So I'll oh, go ahead. Gretchen, one sorry. last question. I'm sorry. So is the only way to get back money is if there's been like actual fraud perpetrated, correct? Yes, I think there's got to be like some sort of like, um, you know, yeah, fraud, like wire fraud would be one way to get it. But th there's so many inflated claims that are made in connection with, you know, th these investments that there's always ample fodder for litigation. Um, uh, Omar, couldn't someone, couldn't, couldn't, if you were like a sour investor and you feel like you had been woed, couldn't you try to force the company into receivership and therefore hoping that you could get paid out some way through that? Yep, I think that's a, a typical tactic. I bet yeah, you that's where this important. case ends up going, is Ianthus in receivership. 
It's interesting because if they were in bankruptcy court, they could preempt like all this SEC stuff. Bankruptcy courts usually trump everything, but receivership doesn't. It's mm -hmm. just a state court. So I don't think it's going to halt any SEC litigation mm, or interesting. Interesting. securities litigation in yeah. federal court. Very true. Very good point. Very good point right there. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You guys have any other comments of, on this? It's a whole lot of money to fall, I'll tell you that much. Man. Man, 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 I feel like I'm Hansel and Gretel picking up all these breadcrumbs out here. I can hear the, the vultures descending, the wings flapping. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Oh yeah, whatever you're doing, make sure that you hit that like button. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you have not already. And while you're at it, head over to www.hyatt9news.com. Make sure you sign up for our our newsletter. Uh, you will get a confirmation email in your inbox. You must hit that confirm button once you receive that, as well as we have amazing, amazing merch. Also, too, if you're joining us in the chat and you really want us to know what you think or what you want to say, then make it a super chat because that's the best way to actually have your voice be heard. As well as make sure you tell a friend about the show because we here at Hyatt 9 News believe that organic growth is the best growth. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. How's that look, Omar? Outstanding. Amazing. Thank you, Adam and Jason. Amazing. Jason, you got Dr. D Dr. T? All right, no problem. I got Dr. Talleyrand coming up next. He's the doctor that probably wrote your parents' medical recommendation. That's right. He's more wrote more recommendations than presidents have signed bills. Congress has introduced bills on top of it because he's been around so so long he's the founder of cesc and the founder of medican that's right where you do want to get your doctor's recommendation from it is none other than the dr gene talleyrand thanks jason happy friday everyone uh my story today is out of news medical by danielle ellis new study titled Understanding Feeling High and Its Role in Medical Cannabis Patient Outcomes was recently published in the journal Frontiers in Pharmacology by researchers at the University of New Mexico. The study found patients who reported feeling high also experienced a 7.7% greater decrease in symptom relief than those who did not report feeling high. Does getting high contribute to medical treatment these researchers are the first to answer the question. 1,882 people recorded results of 
16,480 cannabis using sessions. So that's an average of more than eight sessions between June 5th, 2016 and March 11th, 2021. That's almost five years. This is definitely a different population than I'm used to in Northern California. My patients might have eight sessions in a day. These patients reported feeling high 49% of the time. Okay, these patients are, all, are really different. At least 75 to 80% of my patients are getting high. Patients who were high also reported 4.4% more products like relaxed and ill, and a 14.4% increase in negative effects like dry mouth, red eye. Feeling high is poorly defined in the scientific literature, explained senior author and associate professor of psychology, Jacob Vigil, but is generally associated with both impairment and feelings of euphoria. Typically, feeling high is assumed to be the goal of recreational use. The limitation to cannabis therapeutic potential. In this paper, we test the validity of this and find that feeling high and uncomposing cannabis. The study found a strong positive correlation between high and symptom relief, controlling for THC and CBD levels dose, mode of administration, and symptom severity. This suggests that feeling high may have fundamental, this study, this feeling may be a fundamental component of the use of cannabis as medicine. The study also found that smoking a pipe is a better predictor of greater symptom relief, either smoking a joint or vaporizing. All high THC levels are not significant predictors of greater symptom relief and only become significant once feeling high is included. In other words, THC increases symptom relief only if the patient feels high. However, THC is a significant and independent predictor of negative effects. Leather, an associate professor of McSestith, highlights the challenges of cannabis medicine. Cannabis products are extremely variable in their phytochemical composition, and patients vary extensively. These complexities suggest that the nature of cannabis medicine. Doctor T, we're getting in highly minds rather than the conventional model of standardized dosing. The study concludes with some recommendations. Hey, Dr. Talleyrand, we're getting we're getting almost every other word from you. Are you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're hearing you, but we're getting every other word. Do you have a set of earbuds? Oh, sorry about that. You have a set of earbuds. Uh, well, why don't you go ahead and next, and I'll look for them. Okay, we may we may need uh we, we may need uh. Well, I think can we can we yeah, just we can figure out the, uh, summarize this sucker, Doctor T? So basically, getting high doesn't matter for sure. medical benefits. Is that what this is saying? it's saying it does matter it does matter you have to get high for medical benefits that's right that's right i love this story getting high getting high i figured you'd like that yeah getting Getting high high is is a better predictor of outcome Mm -hmm. yes yeah i love this dr t does this go into um any specific conditions 
impotent? Uh, it just said symptom relief. It's through the relief app. So I assume the symptoms are general pain, mood, sleep, and appetite. But they asked for symptom relief generally, not not specifically. I, so, so all so all these people who say that they've benefited from not getting high through uh, these uh, products that are, are are not potent, they're lying. They are. Well, what? I think the important part is that THC is not as good a predictor of symptom outcome. It's uh, uh, it's really the getting high that's a better predictor. Of. So all those companies that are trying to promote THC content is really the the factor that's important in getting their outcome. They're being proven wrong that it's really how high can you get, not what THC level. So this is all, oh, yeah. How high can this, you go? This is more of a positive for the entourage effect, then, huh? Well, at that same time, but this is a yeah. Big, it this, just shows, oh, go ahead, Doctor T. It just shows that different that people have different the different people have different effects. It's not always about how much THC. Sometimes low THC gets somebody high. Um, it, you know, there are just different people out there. Well, at, at the same time, uh, Dr. Talleyrand, so this basically just proves again my statement that all of those hemp-based products that are all wellness, wellness, wellness don't actually really do anything. It's all in your head. Like a zombie. Well, you're you're well. well C, CBD clearly stops seizures, right? Okay, that's FDA proven. Epidiolex. So CBD works at the right dose. Epidiolex mm -hmm. doses at much higher doses than most of the CBD products being sold out there, and so that's why those CBD products don't work. They're being sold at the wrong dose. Got it. Got it. But it doesn't mean CBD doesn't work. I, I was works. I was never I was never trying to imply that CBD doesn't work because I do believe CBD works. I just believe that you need the entourage. Hello, effect. king of the flip flop. That was two minutes ago. You just said CBD doesn't work. What are you talking about? I'm talking about all the products that people sell on shelves as snake oil that are just. So what were you referring to two minutes ago when you said CBD doesn't work? CBD the, those CBD products on the shelves. That's what I was referring to, okay. Gretchen. Not CBD okay. as the isolate as it by itself in these uh -huh. high high doses, which are not sold in stores. Uh -huh. Jeez, I don't understand why I have to always have to explain myself so much for you guys. Oh my god, I wonder why. <laughs> so, uh, not that I, whatever. I, it's hard for me to disagree with this study because I don't know Jack, and I only heard about half of it. But I'm a person who, oh. and no one believes me. I cannot get high. I have tried. I've tried multiple forms. I've even tried Jason's so-called no, best not, weed in the not, world. And it didn't do jack. Weed. No, no, no. She has tried. But meanwhile, meanwhile, I, I have, I use a friend's topical and I swear to God, instant relief when I use it. And I have, I have very bad arthritis from old injuries and stuff. Did, did so no on it. Does it have what? Yeah, stop it, it. Stop no, it. Stop, stop it. Stop the reefer madness, bro. <laughs> so no, I, I feel like I've definitely answer. felt relief, but I've never felt high. Well, yeah, you're you're when you're smoking or ingesting, it's going through your liver first. So you're going through this metabolism of the product. When you're putting it on your skin, it's directly going to the nerves. It's not going through your, your system. So I could see you not getting high. 
through ingestion or inhalation because you have a certain genetic makeup that doesn't get high. And, and that's, that's possible. It's out there. I, there are people who tell me they don't get high when they use it. Most and people do get high. Dr. T, I'd love to send this to you. I actually just did a DNA test for kicks um, for cannabis. It's a company. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's called Endocana. And I would love to send you my results from it and get your thoughts on what you think. But a a lot of what you're saying, they found this one thing here and there. And they're like, you're really high metabolizer. And I was like, all right, I don't know what that means. Um, But just and there's so many issues that I have. In my own health, they're like, that's because of this, this, and this. And I was like, holy shit. So I actually kind of believe what they did might be accurate. Oh, boy. So yeah, I know Len May at, at Endona Health that, that they uh, use multivariate analysis to try to predict outcome. The only thing I would say is it's not all about your genes. There are also epigenetic factors, out, things outside of your DNA. But DNA, but using genetics is a great idea. We've we've worked. Our research team has worked with Len, with Len at uh, Endocan Health uh, uh, because it's important data uh, that we should be collecting and helps us predict better. Uh, we've it's had interesting. Several, we've had several requests to post uh, Doctor uh, Doctor T's story. We can do that. Help that out. Yes, People yes, we will. But also, too, it is available on the website. www.highatnightnews.com. That's right. should be there. should be in the top six stories up there on the block for today. It should already be there. America's number one news website. Mm-hmm. Daily Cannabis News Cannabis Show. Cannabis industry. Yes. Dr. Talleyrand, I love this story so, so, so much. This might be one of my favorite studies that you have brought sense forth and i think it's just really unfortunate that gretchen has the don't get hygiene well maybe if you're weed with them something would happen i don't know (laughs) i see what you did there jason (laughs) Uh, maybe we put it out there send samples try to get gretchen eyes and dude i do this all the time at Uh, conferences it's like i'm you know stupid bar tricks Uh, you know people give me lots and i'm always puffing away and nothing ever happens Uh, have you ever tried tried north have you ever tried snorting it? Stop it. Stop that it, bro. Terrific. This is, this is, this is ridiculous. That, that's ridiculous. No. That's uh, ice lip, bro. I draw the line. I draw high. the line. That is not going to get you high. Let's, let, let's roll into Omar. Just this is, this just, is, just yeah. saying. This multi-talented and multi-faceted attorney is the founder of a bi-coastal boutique cannabis law firm with offices in California and New York. He's also a publisher, author, Gangier. In purple style, purple belt, and high style Brazilian jiu jitsu, reserving his right to break your wrist and walk away if you fuck up the rotation. Coming to the stage now and bringing us home today is Omar Figueroa. You're on mute, Omar. You're on mute. There we go. Yes. Oh, still, you're still on okay. mute. Thank you, Rico. Happy Friday, everyone. Uh, My story is from Cron 4 by Sofia Villalba and Ella Sogomonian. The headline is 15.3 million of illegal cannabis seized from 20 East Bay grow sites. On Tuesday, officers served 20 search warrants at illegal grow sites throughout Contra Costa County, including five in Antioch, three in Brentwood, two in Discovery Bay, and 10 in Pittsburgh. 
Over 15.3 million of illegal cannabis was seized, along with seven firearms and over $24,000 in cash. The investigation, led by the Department of Cannabis Control, spanned over several weeks and included agencies such as the Department of Fish and Wildlife, the Department of Tax and Fee Administration, the California National Guard, and local law enforcement. Investigators say the biggest giveaway that marijuana is being grown inside an illegal grow site, usually unsuspecting residential houses, is an increasingly high power bill. Mold is a huge issue and obviously that gets into the plant and then obviously to unsuspecting consumers who are inhaling or consuming mold, said Chief of Law Enforcement Bill Jones of the Department of Cannabis Control. None of the product from the illegal market is being tested. So at times they're using banned chemicals, fertilizers, and pesticides. Several people were detained, but Jones did not specify how many arrests were made, adding that they are more focused on punishing those running the operations rather than the employees at the illegal grow sites. That's the story. My take is I questioned the $15.3 million figure because narcs often exaggerate the value of their seizures to inflate their accomplishments, but it must have been quite the electric bill. To me, the notable aspect of this story is the three booth factories in Brentwood. I want to learn about the managers who run these operations and the real life Nancy Botwins behind them. In the olden days, Everyone would be lawyered up and battening the hatches in preparation for federal indictments. But these days, risk-seeking operators take the loss as the cost of doing business and double down their grow shows to make up for the setback. And if you think this is a California-only phenomenon, this is happening in New York too and Kansas City. The headline is 15.3 million of illegal cannabis seized from 20 East Bay grow sites. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, Ganjie instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for high at nine, high noon Eastern. Oh, man. Omar. Omar, name these cities off again. You said how many in Brentwood? How many? Because <laughs> right. this, is, this is where I so grew up there at. There was five in Antioch, five three in, Antioch, in Brentwood, three in Brentwood, two in Discovery Bay, two in Disco Bay. And ten in Pittsburgh. And ten in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is where I grew up at. Just full full disclosure. Okay. Yeah, and Pittsburgh makes sense. It's very industrial. There's lots of warehouses. It's an ideal place for you know illegal grow sites. Well, I mean, but Brentwood. Well, Brent, Brentwood makes a lot of sense too because you have Antioch. Brentwood used to be a lot of farmland, a lot of open open area. Now it's a lot of a uh, lot of new development development homes, or I would say old development at this point in time, but developed homes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so. They have plenty of power, plenty of infrastructure in there to be able to to, to pop things out. But I will say, um, I'm, I'm uh, Antioch. When I was a kid, it used to be like the meth capital of the world for manufacturing meth. They, I think there was a study when I was a kid. It was one in three houses was a meth lab when I was when I was growing up out there. And so um, I'm, I'm just surprised that that was. And this is all under one organization. They're claiming. They're claiming, and they said it was a multi-week investigation, which gave them plenty of time to track down who's behind it all. You know, it's just pathetic. Multi-week? Multi-week? That's what this says. 
Uh, it says the investigation led by the Department of Cannabis Control spanned over several weeks and included agencies such as the Department of Fish and Wildlife, the Department of Tax and Fee Administration, the California National Guard, and local law enforcement. So, Omar, question for you. Is this is this like straight up illicit grow or is this yep. a non-compliant, they were trying, yada, illicit, yada, semi-licensed people all at all? I think it's a satellite glasshouse location. No, I'm actually just <laughs> joking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's definitely you have to have a local permit and state license. This is clearly like unlicensed commercial cannabis activity and uh, straight up illegal mm -hmm. crap. Well, I mean, it, it is. What do you mean by that? It is extra, extra trappy out there. In all, in all fairness, Pittsburgh, Antioch, Concord, that whole Brentwood, Discovery Bay, all that extra, extra trappy. Um, so, I mean, none of this, none of this surprised me. It's not, it's not a shocker, but I, I, I am surprised to see that um, the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office and the state of New York both have the same type of calculators when it comes to quantifying valuations on cannabis that's seized. Must be those new Texas instrument issued T, what, the T1 uh, the, 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 the TI, T, TI 500. The, the, the TI 420s are out. <laughs> That's how you see 10 X 10 X 10 X your, your, your markups on your cannabis every day. Oh yes, man. Uh, and I'm sorry, Omar, I was semi trying not to focus on, you know, Jason Beck's greatness there. Uh, did it say anything about, um, actual poundage or did, was it just a no, monetary number? Poundage. So, you know, you can only infer that, that they're going with like the usual, like three to $4,000 a pound, you know, calculation. So probably, you know, 4,000 pounds or something altogether, but we don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm certain they're not using like the actual market value for this booth, you know, which is going to be hundreds of dollars. I will say this though. It, it is very yeah. possible that these Contra Costa County sheriffs actually seized more weed going into all these random places than the state of New York did when they closed down those 24 stores. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And then it's also possible that they might have seized more cash than was reported because only $24,000 in cash was reported. And this investigation spanned several weeks. Come on now. Yeah, that's definitely that, was how, more how cash. for a return on your investment in tax dollars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or may, maybe Omar, maybe Omar just the day before they had just paid their power bills at all those locations. That's, that's why they right. only had 24000 on site. Well, that you know, that they were paying like their huge power bill. Like, I, I don't know, um, you know, whether there was any power diversion because usually that, that goes with the territory. They would, they, they would have mentioned that in the case. That's and, right. And, and fishing game would have been all over that. And there might have been actual arrests because it was weed only. Like the, the cops are like, ah, it's just a misdemeanor. Maybe, you know, felony conspiracy, felony maintaining, but really just a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. But once it gets into a theft of utility, then it's felony and they get, they got a surefire felony with, yeah. with no defense. No defense. Exactly. Cut and day, open shut case right there. Um, uh, Jason, we only have two minutes left, but did, did you want to run through yours really quickly? Jason? I want I want to just I want to just read my headline and encourage everyone to head over to our website www.highandninenews.com and check out this story because I'll tell you what, there's a bunch of meatballs in this in this story. Okay, that's right because Ron DeSantis calls medical marijuana in quotes very controversial after fighting for it in Florida, and he recently just did a press conference where he said he would not support 
the descheduling of cannabis on a federal level. And I'll let you read more about this on our website about Meatball Ron and his antics, showing that he does need to evolve, and apparently we need to go and have some more conversations with Mr. Governor DeSantis. I, and no offense, Jason, I think it's a strong statement on your part to say that he's fought for cannabis. He has fought uh, for cannabis. You, no, no, no. If he you has. look at he's his record, he's, he's voted, listen, I'm, he's voted ahead. on one one or two cannabis bills like research. He is not out there, just gonna say, you know, advocating and fighting for the plan. I didn't say that he was, but I will say this, that he is the reason that patients in Florida have smokable flour as something to be able to consume in the state of Florida. And that's a huge sure. win for patients in Florida. So you can't tell me da 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 when he has done actually the biggest thing for the patients in Florida. I'm saying... He signed a piece of legislation. He signed it. Was, did he, he strap no. himself he to no. some bulldozer and try and stop some trap getting shut down? No. This man is no. not out there fighting for he cannabis. No. And you're crazy to, to make that statement. He needs to evolve. Maybe he needs to have a medicated meatball or something. I don't know. Maybe, but Maybe he needs, he, maybe he needs some new uh, new white boots. You know what I'm saying? Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. I think, I think you need to invite yeah. him over for a plate of medicated meatballs. I, I will. I will. I'll have him and Casey over for dinner. Maybe maybe we'll go. Maybe we'll go. Yeah. You're on a first name basis with his wife? You know, I got the thing. You know, women love me. What can I say? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I really want to see Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump debate marijuana legalization in a deep sea submersible, the Titan 2.0. Oh, stop it. We would, we would have that debate at Mar-a-Lago, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and shout out, shout out to, to, to Arturo out there with a the super chat. He's saying he can't find the Dr. T article on the website, but uh, I'm willing to bet that it's there. And also to Anna Lewis coming in with a super chat, too. She says, friends, friends, come out to Anna's joint uh, a market grand opening tomorrow. If you're around live music and fun over there on Pine Street in Long Beach, I will going to stop by, say hello and see what's up. And I encourage you all to do to come out and support. Oh showing yeah, just showing some air horn. Was that Chewy? <laughs> it sounded like Chewbacca coming from uh, you, Rico. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Is that, that what that was? I consider that statement racist. It's the Wooks. It's the oh Wooks. my god! Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> racist against the Wookies. Uh huh. Hey man, they were dogs and they, and they were uh, slaves on their planet. Just Hold saying. on, Wooks, Wooks are just people saying. too. Wooks are people too. Yes, they are. All but right. thank you all for joining today's episode of High at Nine News. You can catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing all kinds of love today, getting their comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us the feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of your perspective and your respected opinions to the table as well to our production team cloud media partners house of Fuego, the vortex the 91 club all our sponsors helping us keep the lights on and keeping our av struggles to a minimum minimum we did pretty good today i'd say so pretty good i had a couple of little hiccups but you know what it is what it is the lovely jaja simone holding things down in clubhouse and uh twitter spaces wherever she is she's gonna be on la this weekend so i've heard and to the haters out there Pay your fines and Kathy Hochul numbers. 
<laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> As always, Cannabis Sativa, uh, the reason that we show up and read these stories every single day. Thank you. It has been Friday. What is it? Friday, June 20. What is it today? The th- 23rd, 23rd, bro. 23rd. <laughs> I, 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 I have it on my screen. Uh, oh, it has been Friday, the 23rd. 23rd. It's Michael Jordan's day, bro. Michael Jordan day. <laughs> The show is over. You've all been blessed with the industry's top headlines. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street. And today we're giving it to Dr. T, Dr. Talleyrand. Tell us some good news for the weekend. What you got for these good people? Dr. T? You would, I think Go out know. there and get high uh, and uh, improve symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Go on out there, get high, and improve your symptoms, right? From the that's the doctor's advice for the weekend. And if you ain't high, you a lie. Mm Mm-hmm.